0: Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church.
1: Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now, this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. That's what Jesus talked about in John 10:10. 10, 10. And everyone has a different perception of what church is based on our many different experiences and influences. In his letter to Philemon, Paul provides a great model for what the church is intended to be. This series is called "The Letter." Pastor Sean's message is called "Life in the Family." It's time for Real Life Radio.
0: I'm starting a new series this morning called "The Letter," and what's interesting is I kind of got a pretty cool illustration of how important this series is. This week in my own community group, we had we're having a conversation. We were talking about last week's message and. You know, we're talking about servanthood and servant leadership. And was funny, one of the folks in the group got real honest for a moment. That's, that's not, now you know community group's getting good, okay? When someone, you know, starts just going, okay, here's what it is. Because we were talking about, you know, serving and things like that. And one of the members of the group made the statement and said, yeah, my only thing, I'm a little nervous because then once you kind of you find out what's happening, you get to know what's going on, and she said, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. And I'm like, you know, I'm the pastor, and I'm right here in the room. I can hear you right now. <laughs> it's like, you know, here's, here's the thing that, that was even more. Others in the group started nodding. And quite honestly, as a pastor, I've heard that exact same thing so many times. If that were the only time I'd ever heard it, would be like, wow, what's going on? I have heard that same thing. So many people who've walked through kind of the Christian journey, been at multiple different churches, and had that thing of, okay, here's what it is. Here's the stuff up front. Here's the literature. It's awesome. But once you get in and you get to know people, you get to, and now it's all, uh, and I just don't want that. And so there was a sense in this person of being hesitant. I can't kind of enjoy the outsider experience. Everything looks so nice and clean. And by the way, that's just life. People are so wonderful until you know them. I mean, isn't that just, I mean, isn't that just true? Isn't that how it works? But as I listen to the church, I, I mean, I kind, of started, I, I kind of started rolling through my own experiences, and I'm like a pastor. And I'm sitting and thinking of the things. Yep, the times when just it got messy or weird. Now, there was a guy, part of our church, who. You know, and I mean, he was a leader, he was a Christian school leader. I knew the guy, I'd had meals with him. I mean, I thought, you know, we weren't best buddies, but I thought, you know, we're friends, we're, we're brothers in this thing. When, when we were at our last location, our Redland campus, and we were gonna, getting ready to move over here, he obviously wasn't interested in that. And he just stopped coming, and no communication, anything. So I called him, no answer. Cell phone, no returning calls, no anything. I mean, literally, the guy's dodging me. Wouldn't it, And never spoke to me about the thing. I started, I'm like, all right, game on. That's the way we're going to do this. You know. And I realized quickly, kind of going into that, I'm, I'm stalking a man. And this is weird now. I, I must stop. I don't want to cross that line. But it, it, it was like, dude, what's going on? If you don't want to be a part, just say it. But does that mean I cease to exist? And it's just brokenness in the body of Christ. One of the greatest examples of brokenness in the body of Christ I ever saw was a church that I was asked to come and help kind of consult a board that went through a pastoral moral failure. The pastor had a moral failure and it was really hard and a broken kind of thing in the congregation. And uh, that's always heartbreaking. And the reason I was asked is because the lady who was involved had come over, she and her family to River City. And so I was part of that whole process. And so, The board was trying to decide how to handle this. And I have to tell you, I sat down with that board. It was a good-sized board, you know, maybe 12 people in a room. And I could not believe how unhealthy that whole process was. The room was divided right in half. It was as though half the room, this side, just wanted to kill him. Just want to kill him, get rid of him, cease to exist, get rid of the guy, he's done, boom, boom. And when I say kill him, I mean not literally, although we are in Texas, there's probably a couple guys there, I know Elise down I mean, we'll never find him, you'll never. He'd be gone and that's the end, you know. So he never take, you know. But the half of the room, just cut it, boom, done, get rid of him. The other half was really not any healthier, because they wanted the, the, the thing that kept coming up was was we've all sinned, we've all failed. Let just he said he's sorry, let's forgive and move on. Forgive and move on. And I'm like, but wait, wait a minute. You know, the guy's in the ministry, he's a married man. You don't get into that situation overnight. You don't you don't get healed from it overnight either. And there was nobody in kind of that sense of, okay, scriptural, a scriptural path. And so finally, you know, I'm like, excuse me, excuse me. You asked me to come, um, you'll probably never ask me back, but I have some thoughts. And I just told them, I said, guys, what about the scriptural model? What about what the scripture tells us to do? And I shared with them how, yes, this man should be removed from his position for the purpose of walking he and his family through healing, a time of healing, a time of restoration as a family personally. And then, ultimately, the goal should be restoration of that person into what God intended for them, into their leadership, into who they are. I said, your position as a board, half of you want to just excuse him and pretend it didn't happen, the other half want to kill him. I said, you need to form a circle around him facing out. Anybody who wants to get to him has to come through you. That's how the board should operate. And you should should enforce discipline on this person for their good, not punishment, discipline, You're removed from your position. You're walked through a season of accountability and counseling. You you and your family are a time of healing. Whatever it takes, and then, maybe, maybe not in that church, but at some point we help this brother come to a point of healing and restoration. That's a biblical model. And I just realized there's so much unhealth in how we deal with what happens when we get beyond the, the curtain and it's just real people which is exactly what the bible describes that's why i love the book we're going to be start looking at the letter we're going to look at the book of philemon and it is really one of the most unusual books in all of scripture it's unique because it's a personal letter about a personal matter we get the apostle paul writing a letter to a brother in christ about something that's kind of a dicey difficult situation a lot of people wonder why it was even included in the canon of scripture and at first, remember, it was something personal. It probably wasn't. But obviously, when you, once we're through over the next four weeks, we're going to see, well, yes, we're certainly glad this is a Spirit-inspired work. We're glad it was included in the canon of Scripture. And it's a fantastic example of how Christians should deal with difficult issues. And so that's what we're going to look at. Now, we've called it the letter because that's exactly what it was. It was initially, you know, we, we, it wasn't always a book. We look at it as a book of the Bible, Paul's letter to Philemon. But it started out as a letter. It would have been received as a letter, a correspondence by messenger. And it would have come to him and Philemon would have received it as a letter. Look, Paul signed it. It's awesome. Isn't that great? And it would have just been read by Philemon or maybe to Philemon simply as a correspondence. It's from Paul. He says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker. Also to Apphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier. Apphia, many believe, was his wife. Archippus could have either been his son or maybe another leader in the church. But that's who it's to, and to the church that meets in your home. Their church would have felt more like one of maybe a large version, but one of our community groups. Just a group meeting in a home, doing life together. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. It is as none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you. Now he has become useful both to you and to me. I'm sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you would do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome Prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. So to Mark, Arstachos, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And that's the letter.
1: Let's take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in a series called The Letter. And if you'd like to hear the full message or even watch the video podcast from Pastor Sean, it's available right now on demand at the sermon page at the River City website called reallife.org. And if you'd like to visit River City Community Church, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean.
0: Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church.
1: And back to the message, Life in the Family. This is Real Life Radio.
0: Now, you notice some things right away as you read through Paul's letter. First, Paul is obviously appealing to someone very dear to him, this Philemon, someone whom he loves. And he's appealing on behalf of a slave, a runaway slave named Onesimus, who is also very dear to Paul. Now, the issue of slavery is one we could dial down into, and I don't want to this morning, but I do want to talk about it because it brings it up. And, And one of the things that some people are sometimes critical of the New Testament over is that they don't more kind of forcefully condemn people who have slaves now understand something the new testament is crystal clear It says in christ we are all one there's neither jew nor greek slave nor free male nor female so the the christian ideal the christian perspective is there are there's no such thing as this hierarchy we are all one not just slave or free Jew nor Greek either, so no racial distinctions. Male nor female, gender distinctions. But it's interesting. Why doesn't the New Testament just go and hammer on that? It's believed that at this point in time, up to a third of the population of the empire would have been slaves because of Roman conquests. Every single conquest. they were. They literally had been years of conquering nations and tens of thousands of people, wanderers would come, and they would now be prisoners in the empire. They would have had no resources. They would have had nothing. And so they were sold as slaves. It became a part of the economy, of the life of the empire. One that in every instance where it's talked about, it's talked about as less than God's standard and less than God's desire, but interesting point, The New Testament has a clear perspective on changing a nation. And we sometimes think the way to change and bring about social justice is by policy matters. I want to say to you, the New Testament communicates, you want to change a nation, you change the hearts of people. That Fundamentally, you you begin working on the hearts of people. And this is a classic example of Paul talking about the slave Onesimus and saying, I want you to receive him back as a brother, not as a slave. And we don't know what the history on Onesimus is. There, actually, there was a, a bishop in Ephesus, and it could have been in the right time frame, named Onesimus. Now, it was a fairly common name among slaves. So we don't know. Many people believe Onesimus became a leader in the church, a bishop. But whatever, Paul is in the way of the New Testament appealing to the hearts of people to say, this is a better Way And the New Testament actually talks about how, slave, how, how it talks to masters. In the context of this societal evil, here's how you should respond. In the context of slaves, here's how you should respond. It's very counterculture as you read the New Testament on it. We do know that Paul is writing from prison, likely in Rome. Philemon is a church leader in Colossia. Paul's interference in this whole thing could be seen as a little bit presumptuous. He's injecting himself, and that's one thing that might, in our cultural context, kind of be a little bit odd, and even in theirs. And I want to say one thing that stands out to me. If you had no previous exposure to Christianity, the language of this letter would seem a little odd. And by that, I mean the affection. The affection, the familial references, the flowery expressions of love and relationship would seem odd and maybe even insincere. There's nine references to family in what we just read. In fact, if you read it in the New American Standard, which is a very literal translation, there's ten, because one of those where he refers to him as as dear friend in the New American Standard refers to his brother. So there's ten references to family in those few paragraphs. I think Paul's letter would seem a bit unusual until you understand the nature of the relationship, and that's where we want to start our walk through this letter. The nature of the relationship. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The strength of the church is found in the bond of family. The strength of the church is found in the bond of family. That's where Paul is starting. That's where we want to start. Now, it's one thing for us to call one another family, but what what does it actually look like in real life in the context of the church? How do we process that? Well, our creative team took a swing at it. Take a look. See what they said.
2: Come on. People don't know how to drive. Home sweet home. Jan? Kids? What are you doing in my living room? Hey, man. Welcome to your home. Yes, this is my home. Why are you here? You know, just doing some yoga. Balancing my chi. Balancing your what? My chi, your chi. Get your mat off of my carpet. I probably should get up anyways. I've been at this for a couple hours and I'm a little stiff. A couple of a hours? Stiff. Where? Where are my wife and kids? I think they're. I don't uh,
0: know. Brittany, Brittany, okay. can I get some
2: water? Brittany, I'm thirsty. These chips are so dry. Come 150, oh, 200, what is she right talking, what are you talking 40. about? Oh, what time are the fire dancers getting here? Fire dancers, what in the, what is like she six. talking about? <laughs> fire is, you know, six for what, what are we talking about here? The family reunion, Galen, who's your daddy? Who's your dad? I sent you an evite. <laughs> who's your daddy? What, yeah, no, hang on a second, how did you guys get into my house? Well, uh, Nate Levison. Nate? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so you mess it up. Oh, this is the bad. I think it was the potato chips. There's something wrong with this It was the potato, shit. Shit. Was was the potato I cannot believe this, what is what this is happening. This Could this, this day get it's any worse?
1: This word, right?
2: Guys. Guys! got I need you to get out of my house right now. <laughs> stop Why is always always that funny? I need a nap. Bang, 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 oh. You guys better be out of here when I wake up. Hey, buddy, can I get some blankets? No.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh it's one thing to talk about being family, throw the words on. It's another thing when they start acting like it. Isn't it? I mean, cuz that's that's what we're talking about. I want to suggest that that our kind of disconnect with this idea of family is a big issue. One of the I, I think if you're going to understand what the church is going what the church is about and what the church does, you have to understand what the church is, and a lot of people don't. I think people see the church in all kinds of different ways. Some people look at the church kind of like religious defensive driving. You remember when you'd have to go take defensive driving? Now it's all online, but you kind of had to do it because, well, you got a ticket or something or you want to lower your insurance. You had to take defensive driving, and you'd go try to find the best one. Remember when they had the comedy ones? Those were awesome. I was so grateful for those. Not that I ever needed to take defensive driving, but, you know, just whatever. I think people... (laughs) Stop it. I think people treat church like that sometimes. It's like, oh, I've got to do it, you know, don't want to go to hell, or it's my tradition, or whatever. But I'm going to go look at the one that's the most amusing and seems to be the least painful experience. I think sometimes people look at a social club, you know, good connections, good for some important relationships, political voting block. A lot of people see the church as a big political voting block, and we want to be part of something like that. Some people view church as kind of a small town. And by that, I mean, we live in a large city, and it's easy to feel like you have no influence. And so they come into the church and see it as a small town and a place where they can influence. And I have to tell you, by some weird twist, that kind of sometimes turns me into this weird version of the mayor, and that just gets awkward. But more than a few people, that kind of, that's their approach to the church. Religious school, might God do something for the kids? I don't want my kids to be religiously ignorant and so i take them and we take them to sunday school but as soon as the kids are old enough to kind of do their own thing then we're done some people look like the neighborhood bar it's like a place where i hang out but then i go and live my life and it's totally separate my life's over here and this is over here some people treat it like a huge group therapy you know hi i'm sean and i'm a sinner you know hi sean what (laughs) we've been waiting to hear you say that forever sean it's so good that you're Finally being honest. All these different kind of weird perceptions. So, I mean, honestly, based on behavior and things, how do you see the church? How do we see the church? Because I want to say, from reading the letter, it's obvious how the Apostle Paul viewed the church. Crystal clear. Here's the deal. The church is the relational expression of the kingdom of God. Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom. Gave told stories about the kingdom. The kingdom of God is like, and he would give some beautiful parable or illustration to help us understand. The relational expression of that, which remember, it's all about relationships. Christian experience, all about relationships. First with God, then with one another. That's what Jesus said. Most important thing, love God with everything you got. Love your neighbor as yourself. The relational expression of the kingdom of God is the church. That's what it is. God chose to establish those relationships and define them as family. The Lord's Prayer does not begin with our chairman who art in heaven, you know. Our Father, you know, our Father. He's our Father. The Scripture makes it clear. We are the brothers and sisters. And here's a note. I've shared this with you before. You can't have the Father without the brothers and sisters. That's the way it works. You go, but I want to. Father's forgiving and wonderful, and he's God, and brothers and sisters are a pain in the neck. And yes, it's true, because they're people just like you. That's the way it works. Church is filled with imperfect people, because that's the only kind God has. Remember, I've told you before, if you ever find that perfect church, don't go there, because you will screw it up. Please.
1: Thank you, Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Real Life Radio in a series called The Letter, if you'd like to hear the full message and the series, it's available right now when you find the sermons link at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road. See all the details, directions, and service times also at reallife.org. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life
0: God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church.